One verse I want to read in your hearing. James chapter 4 and verse 7 simply says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I want you to notice from that verse that there's two things that are required. We must, first of all, submit ourselves to God. And then we can resist the devil. A lot of people are trying to resist the devil without submitting themselves to God. And they're wondering why he will not flee from them. It's a two-step process. We want to talk today from this subject, giant slayers. The art of submission and resistance. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we're thankful to be in your house today. Thankful for the opportunity to go to your word, Lord, and to receive what you would have for us. We ask you, God, that you would anoint our hearts and minds to receive your word. I pray, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit in a powerful way and lives would be changed to bring glory to you on this earth. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Perhaps the most famous of all giant slayers is David. David that we read about in the Old Testament. First Samuel, we read about David defeating Goliath. It is the ultimate story of the underdog. And in Florence, Italy, a mass of people wrap around a city block every day waiting to get into this museum that houses the famous statue of David carved by Michelangelo, chiseled to perfection. That giant statue stands there with a sling in his hand to commemorate the utopia of every underdog that has risen not only to the challenge of an insurmountable obstacle, but has been victorious as well. Though David may be the most famous, history is littered with many a soul who has risen to the challenge and refused to accept defeat. Giant slayers that have stared fear in the face and not blinked. People that have fought cancer and sickness and have lived to tell their story and inspire others. People who have fought back from the perils of concentration camps and prisoners of war and unspeakable horror are giant slayers in and of themselves. In the incredible best-selling book, Unbroken, Laura Hildebrand tells the story of such a giant slayer. On a May afternoon in 1943, an Army Air Force bomber crashed into the Pacific Ocean and disappeared, leaving only a spray of debris and a slick of oil, gasoline, and then blood. Then on the ocean surface, suddenly a face appeared. It was that of a young lieutenant. The plane's bombardier who had struggled somehow to find a life raft and pulling himself aboard so began one of the most extraordinary odysseys of the Second World War. The lieutenant's name was Louis Zamperini. In boyhood, he had been a cunning and incorrigible delinquent, breaking into houses, brawling and fleeing his home to ride the rails. But as a teenager, he had channeled his defiance into running discovering that he had a prodigious talent that had carried him even to the Berlin Olympics and within sight of the four-minute mile. But when war had come, this athlete had become an airman, embarking on a journey that had led to his doomed flight 
a tiny raft and a drift into the unknown. Ahead of Zamperini lay thousands of miles of open ocean, leaping sharks, a floundering raft, thirst and starvation, enemy aircraft, and beyond that, a trial that was even greater as he went from one Japanese torture camp to another, driven to the limits of endurance. Zamperini would answer desperation with ingenuity, suffering with hope, resolve and even humor, brutality with rebellion. His fate, whether triumph or tragedy, would be suspended on the fraying wire of his own will. Zamperini, my friend, was a strong Christian and he defeated every giant that came after him, submitted to his faith, and that caused him to be resistant to every evil. Even finally succumbing to old age, all of those things could not destroy him as he slayed one giant after another. Finally, at the age of 97 years old, he finally succumbed to death last year on July 2nd. Louis Zamperini, after all of those trials and all of those circumstances, he lived to the ripe old age of 97 years old. But ladies and gentlemen, what every giant slayer, and there are millions of them that we could talk about today, but what every giant slayer will tell you is that the battleground is in the mind. Every person that endured the horrors of concentration camp, and I've heard people from Auschwitz speak and tell about it with numbers tattooed on their arms of how they lost family members. But what every giant slayer will tell you is that the battleground is in the mind. Ladies and gentlemen, as believers, we wrestle or strive and struggle in our minds against world systems. The flesh, which is our carnal nature, nature, and even Satan himself. These are all giants. The mind encompasses our thoughts, imagination, reasoning, and intellect, as well as our emotions and will. By our thoughts and feelings, we determine our will and purpose for our lives. But the book of James reveals to us a revelation. A two-step process of being victorious in every battle. Number one, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Number two, resist the devil. The first thing you got to do is you got to submit yourself to the Word of God and the will of God. you got to say, not my will, but thy will be done. you got to join the cry of John the Baptist that said, I must decrease so that he would increase. You've got giants in your life. I've got giants in my life. But I've come to tell somebody that there is no weapon formed against you that can be victorious to a child of God or a saint of God that refuses to bow in submission to the world but instead submits themselves to the plan of God and the will of God and the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Resisting the devil can only happen when you submit yourselves to God. I believe that there are four simple steps to submitting yourself to God that will then prepare your mind for battle. Number one, you have to know truth. 
Everybody say, no truth. That's sound doctrine. I'm thankful for the truth that came down through our forefathers. I'm thankful for the truth that's in the Word of God. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that we at First Pentecostal Church are not removing ancient landmarks as the book of Proverbs tells us that we should not do. Ladies and gentlemen, if it's in the Bible, we believe it. We don't get our doctrine and our truth from society, from culture, from the world system, from philosophies of ancient scholars. No, my friend. We get our belief. We get our faith from the Word of God. As holy men of old wrote, they were inspired by the one true living God. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I'm thankful that I know there's one God. Oh, hallelujah. I was reading a blog this morning written by a Jewish rabbi. And they were asking him, said, now, is it true that there's a plurality of persons in the Godhead based on the fact that Elohim is a plurality and it describes God in Genesis 1-1 in the beginning God Elohim and Elohim is plural and he said that is absolutely false he said Elohim is the plural definition of a singular verb he said what it goes to explain and that's why Elohim was used over and over in the creative narrative of the Old Testament rather than later on when Jehovah is used he said Elohim was used early on because it talked about the plurality of the powers of God oh yeah in ancient pagan beliefs they had a God that they would worship for the sun and a God for fertility and a God for light and a God for the earth and a God for the wind and a God for storms but he said when you read the Old Testament narrative it was one true living God that had a plurality of powers ladies and gentlemen I'm glad that I know there's one God and his name is Jesus and he's got all power good God almighty the Bible said, know the truth and sell it not. Well, you got to get your arms around it and say, I know what sound doctrine is. I'm not going to follow every wind of doctrine that comes around. Somebody that pops up and says, I've got a word for you. You don't know who they are. You don't know where they came from. I'm going to tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, if you want a word from God, there's a whole bunch of them in the Bible. You ought to get one of the promises of God. You ought to get one of those shells and say, I'm going to believe it until the day I die. Sound doctrine. You've got to commit yourself to it and say, I'm not going to let anything take me out of the hands of sound doctrine. That's knowing what you know. Now, the second thing is that you've got to live faith, which is a made-up mind. So the four-step process, number one, is know truth. That's sound doctrine. Second of all, live your faith. It's not enough to just be a hearer of the word. You've got to be a doer of the word. Live your faith. That's a made-up mind. And then third, and we'll explain these more in just a moment. But I want to give you the outline. Third, cultivate passion. Cultivate passion. That's fervent prayer. That's fervent worship. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. God didn't save robots. It's the enemy, it's this world system that wants you to come to church and sit on your rump and never move. That's not the Bible. The Bible is said, make a joyful noise unto God. 
This business about going to church is supposed to be like going to some seminary and sitting as somebody lectures you. That's not what the Bible says. There's passion when you've got a relationship with God and the Word of God goes forth. There's something inside of you that rises up that says amen and amen. Fire shut up in my boat. Passion and fervency. Good God Almighty. And then fourth is being spirit-filled, which is wisdom and discerning. Now let's go to the Word of God and talk about this for the few moments I have with you. First of all, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14 says this, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now, let me just stop for a moment and focus on this, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. In other words, you've got to settle some things in your mind so that everything, every different philosophy, every different thought process that comes around that wants to try to generate something new. Now here's what will happen if you're carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Ladies and gentlemen, that word doctrine in that verse means instruction, teaching, principles, understanding, and concepts. The word for doctrine in the Old Testament was Torah. Torah is the term that is used in the Hebrew to identify the first five books of the Bible. I know we oftentimes refer to it as the Pentateuch, but in the Jewish Hebrew, the Torah was the first five books of the Bible or the law. It is in these books that they received instructions of God for mankind. And it is from these books that Paul formulates all of what he refers to as sound doctrine. Notice Paul's emphasis on sound doctrine in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Let me just stop and say this. Preaching ought not to be just a bunch of cotton candy to tickle your ears and make you feel better about yourself. That's not what preaching is from the word of God. It said preach the word. Be instant in season. It involves reproving and rebuking and exhorting. Ladies and gentlemen, that's something more than a lecture. Hello? That's something more than just, wasn't that pretty? A joke, three points, and a conclusion. That's not what this world needs. That's not what's going to give us victory in this spiritual battle. No, my friend, we're in war. There's a spiritual war that's going on. And we got to submit ourselves unto God and say, God, if it's in your word, I'll bow to it. I'll submit to it. Not my will, but thy will be done. Got to trigger something inside of us. With all long suffering and doctrine. Now, verse 3, 4. The time will come when they, who's they? Humanity. Will not endure sound doctrine. That's where we are today. But after their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers. We're going to find somebody to teach according to what we desire. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. They're not going to endure sound doctrine. Because sound doctrine is sound by 
by itself. He doesn't require an audience to be true. It's truth all by itself. But they don't want to endure that because that's going to involve a change of lifestyle. So after their own lust, I desire this, I want this, I want that, I want that. Now i got to find somebody that can tell me it's okay to have this and have this and that. Now that's where we're going to go. Shall they heap to themselves teachers? Let's find a bunch of people that'll help me to believe what I want to believe because it doesn't involve me having to change. More importantly, submit. Having itchy ears. Oh, have you ever had itchy ears? Oh, man, itchy ears. Are, you just itch and they just itchy ears. Just can't, we just can't hardly wait to hear. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Unto fables. One of the deceptive works of the flesh is to continually attempt to seduce the mind away from truth. You remember what I told you? That battleground is in your mind, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes that battleground in our mind is finding a false substitute for sound doctrine. That's why the Bible says to buy the truth and sell it not. I don't care if you've got to drive a hundred miles. It's worth it. To get to some place where somebody will tell you, Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And somebody will tell you, you got to repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus. You say, Pastor, why are you fired up? Because we're in a war. And God's going to give us the victory. But we've got to submit to Him. Oh, we've got to submit. So the flesh will lead toward convenient doctrines. Convenient doctrines are doctrines that do not require any submission. Now, convenient doctrines will also provide opportunity for you to fulfill fleshly desires. Somebody said, well, I won't dress like this. I won't look half naked when I go out because I get more attention that way. I don't like going out to the first Pentecostal church because they tell me I got to be clothed and in my right mind. I'm going to be crazy and half clothed. So I'm going to go down the street down here and somebody say, y'all just come as you are. You have your jet ski running in the parking lot. Come in, we'll give you a cute little 40-minute service, sing a couple of uh, praise songs, and we'll all go out there, and everybody can live like that devil. That's not what Christianity was meant to be. I wasn't planning on preaching on this. It's not even in my notes, but I feel it. God's calling an army together. God's calling a church together that says if you want to be victorious, you can't just pansy pansy the devil. You gotta get power. And power is from submission to the word of God. Giant slayers. I believe I'm preaching to some giant slayers today. Giant slayers. Resist this temptation. Sometimes the biggest giants that you face are the appetites of your own flesh. The only way that you can defeat this giant is to be submitted to sound doctrine. Doctrine that does not bow to carnal desires. In these verses we are warned that the failure to hold sound doctrine makes us vulnerable to the slight of man. Cunning craftiness. Deception, ears easily turned 
from truth to fables. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, Paul continues by saying, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. I want to stay there for just a moment. Because they received not the love of the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, do you want to slay giants in your life? You got to start with a love for truth. You got to start for a love for the word of God. You got to start with a submission that says, God, I don't understand it. I don't know how it fits my situation, but I believe your word. And I will follow it. To slay the giant of deception, we must be submitted to sound doctrine. Next, we must assimilate that sound into our mind by living our faith. I believe that we live out our faith in five specific ways. Number one, hear the word. I'm so glad you're here today. H-E-R-E. So that you can hear, H-E-A-R, the word. I'm glad that you've come to this house today because you've said, preacher, I want to hear the word. That's where it starts. Because Paul said in the book of Romans, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I submit to you today, your faith will only be as great as your appetite for the word. Hear the word. But then we must receive the word. You can hear the word today and reject it. So the next thing you and I must do is receive the word. Then the third thing we must do is we must believe the word. Hear the word. Receive the word. And believe the word. The fourth thing that you must then do is abide in the word. I wish that somebody today could proclaim with a megaphone to this world that we're not Sunday to Sunday Christians. This is who we are on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. We're not just here on Sunday pacifying our conscience. This is who we are on Sunday night and Monday morning driving to work and Monday night when we're tired and weary and the car's broke and the kids aren't acting right and the wife is mad. It's still who I am. I abide in His Word. And then the fifth thing is that you've got to speak the Word. Speak the Word. That's what Jesus told His disciples. He said, why did we pray nothing happened? In other words, why are we losing in this spiritual warfare? And you're winning. He said, because you've got to speak to the mountain. It's one thing to hear it. It's one thing to receive it. It's another thing to believe it. Abide in it. But then, ladies and gentlemen, you got to speak the word. Once you hear it, once you believe it, once you receive it, once you abide in it, you got to speak the word. And the enemy throws something at you, you got to say, by the faith and the power of God, I refuse to be a victim. I refuse to be a statistic. I refuse to die out. I'm going to finish this race. I didn't start out to die out on the final lap. Come on, somebody's got to get to the finish line. It's not going to be long. And the Lord's coming back for the church. 
shall not die. My family shall be saved. I shall be healed. I shall be filled. I will recover. Speak the word of faith. I feel like doing this right now. Stand to your feet. Service is not over. I just feel like doing this right here. I don't know what situation you're facing right now. I'm going to challenge you in the Holy Ghost. Why don't you lift your hands and open your mouth and speak the word of faith right now. Come on, whatever giant is in your life. Why don't you speak it right now in the name of Jesus. Call it out. It will not defeat me. It will not destroy me. I am a giant slayer. I am an overcomer. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Come on, speak it right now in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Come on, my son shall be saved. My daughter shall be saved. Come on. I believe it. I shall recover. This is not my last day. This is not my final moment. I shall be a overcomer in Christ. You may be seated. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16 says this. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Notice how those two things have to go together. You got to take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine. Your actions and your belief should mirror one another. Take heed unto thyself. That means control yourself, ladies and gentlemen. Say no to the appetite of the flesh. Every time you say yes to the appetite of the flesh, you're putting another spear in Goliath's hand. You got to say no. It may not seem like a big victory. It may just be a little rock sailing through the air like it was in David's sling. But you got to say no. Just say no. That's not just a political campaign. That ought to be something in every side of the heart of a Christian that says, I'm not going to say yes to everything my flesh wants and everything my eyes see. Because I got a bigger mission. I'm going to slay some giants. I'm going to win this battle. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for my family. I'm going to win somebody to Christ this year. I've got some bigger giants to slay. Take heed to yourself and to that doctrine continue in them that's that abiding for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee you know why so many people struggle in being soul winners because they haven't taken heed unto themselves so all of their energy is spent on just doggy paddling themselves to try to stay above the water line of salvation and backsliding. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to settle some things in your mind and in your heart so that then the overflow of your own overcoming life, it begins to affect others in a, pos in a positive way so that you can not only save yourself, but then those that hear you. A mind that is submitted to sound doctrine can assimilate that truth into daily action. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the art of submission. A mind that is submitted to sound doctrine can assimilate truth into daily action. Well, you don't just hear it on Sunday, but you live it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, three, Thursday. We not only know the truth, we live the truth with a made-up mind. That's that second step. Not just part of us, but all of us. All of us. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, and I'm hurrying. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Everybody say holy. holy. 
And I pray, God, your whole, everybody say whole, spirit and soul and body be preserved, blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The battle of the mind is won by establishing a fortress of truth in the inner mind. Not 98%, but 100%. Somebody say, well, I'm doing mostly good. I got a God that can destroy every work of Satan. Whoa, I wish you could feel the faith that I feel up here. I said, I'm telling you about a God that can give you total victory. Not where you say, well, I'm not as bad as I used to be. I've heard people say, that. well, I'm not as bad as I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm not as bad as I used to be, so thank God. Oh, come on. Come on. Lot didn't make it by just going to Zor and camping out there. That's where he lost his wife. When the wicked die in Sodom and Gomorrah, the righteous die in Zor. You know why? Because the angels told him, get to the mountain. There is no way station. There is no rest area. You got to get to the mountaintop. You got to get to all that God's wanting to do. Holy. Every single area. And then when you and I, spirit and soul and body, all of it working together to cultivate a passion for Christ. We don't just serve God because we know the truth. We are servants to the word of God because we have passion and desire to please him and love him. That's why I stand up here and hoot and holler. Wouldn't it be easier just to sit down here on a chair and show you a pretty chart? Because there's passion involved in this. It's not because we don't have anything else to do that my father and I have spent our years blowing our voice out. You know why? Because if I'm going to do anything, I'd rather do it with all of my heart. And I want to say this to this great church. If you're going to be a worshiper of God, you ought to do it with everything that you've got. That's not what this is all about. This is about fervency and passion and desire. I can't give it to you. You've got to develop it within yourself. But it's the overflow of your love for God. We're servants to His Word because of that passion. This is not a journey, my friend, that is void of feeling. This is not some science fiction story of robots and minions. In Him, we live and move and have our being we talked about that Wednesday night but I can't get away from it in him we live Woo! I'm going to tell you about life abundant life is abiding in him in him we live and move come on now God saved you he didn't put you in a static position you're in flux you're moving you're changing you're growing there's something about every child of God that's submitted to the word of God that is moving in him I'm moving toward him I got more of a love for God than I did last year I got a stronger walk with God I'm, I'm reading my Bible this year all the way through I, I wanted to do it year, but I had too many things every day see there's that movement of getting closer drawing nigh as the day approaches he said, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together, but do it also the more. In other words, as you see that day coming, you ought to be in church even more. Amen. Assemble yourself together, home groups, fellowship groups, assembling yourself together more. Why? 
Not just getting into some sort of routine, but every, every day. This could be the day that the Lord comes. I got to get with my brothers and sisters. What's going on at the church today? Is there a prayer meeting? Is there a fellowship gathering? Come on. So much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, the enemy don't want you to do that. He wants you to be over here and isolate yourself. Sit way over here by yourself. And suck the proverbial thumb. And feel sorry for ourselves. The church don't love me. The preacher don't love me. They don't care about me. They didn't call me. We got like 25 people. That's all they're assigned to do is call. But then we can't send enough letters. We can't give away enough gifts at the welcome center. We can't make enough calls. If you don't have a passion in your own heart to say I'm going to serve God and nothing's going to knock me out of the church. You can't offend me. You can't yell at me. You can't have nobody on this campus do anything that's going to cause me to love God any less. I love Him. He saved me. He delivered me. And I'm going to spend my life proclaiming His glory. Oh, come on. You ought to shout unto Him with a voice of triumph. In Him we live and move and have our being. Now why is that? Because you cannot separate us from our faith. Let me say this again. You, when I say you, I'm talking about all of you in the audience. I'm talking about you as in the spirit world. You, all you devils that came to church with us today. You can't see them, but they're all sitting up in there. Right now they're telling you you need to get busy, you need to go, lunch is waiting. Right now they're all telling, whispering stuff in your ear. I want to talk to all them guys for a moment. I don't care how much trouble you throw at us. You can't separate us from our faith. I don't care how much junk you got in your arsenal. I don't care how much sickness, how much trial and trouble I've come to proclaim to the spirit world that I am persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. There ought to be some tenacity that wells up inside of you that says nothing, nothing can separate me. Stand to your feet. I come into a close. He is what makes our heart pump physically, emotionally, and spiritually. This gives us passion to serve Him with vigor and vitality. This is what drives our worship. This is what drives our praise. And then, being Spirit-filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit, is the result of this passion. When you ask God to fill you with His Spirit, it is born in the womb of passion, desire, and worship. It is based on sound doctrine that is fueled with spiritual passion. Submission to sound doctrine like the oneness of God, the name of Jesus. Water baptism in Jesus' name. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus. Holiness and separation of lifestyle. This submission brings, my friend, spiritual passion and erupts in the overflow of His Spirit. This is what happened in the book of Acts 
over 2,000 years ago. This is what is happening all over the world. This is what is happening in Palm Bay at First Pentecostal Church. It's the overflow. Jesus. Come on, make your way down right now. Push down just as close as you can get. Just keep pushing till you get to the front. Holy Ghost is in this house. I want you to lift your hands and your voices right now. I want you to declare with your mouth. I submit myself to every principle of your word. I lay it all at the altar. Every question, every doubt, every fear. That's it, I feel victory rising in this house. Come on, there's no fear that can stop you. 
There's no sin that can stop you. There is no mistake that can hinder you. You are a giant slayer. That's it, lift your voice like a trumpet. Lift your voice like a trumpet. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. 